Good evening, Meat Suits. Welcome back to Read It and Weep. We're a podcast that used to be about books. This is Season 3, Episode 6 of the show. I'm your host, Alex Falcone. I'm recording today from the Corso Italia neighborhood in frigid Toronto, Canada. <laughs> it is it is so messed up here. And I made a comment to somebody that it was cold, and they were like, it is unseasonably warm right now. <laughs> so people should leave. This place is nuts. It was like two today. And I know that's Oof. a totally different system, so I can't. I have no idea of knowing how, how much that is, but it sucks. <laughs> I've been in LA. I moved to LA two months ago, and I totally forgot winter existed, and I was caught unawares here, so it's been pretty rough. Um, but I have a great panel assembled for with me today, uh, joining us, of course, from Southeast Portland, uh, returning from the DL. Yeah. We got him back up to at least 80% strength. It's Mr. Anthony Lopez. How you feeling, buddy? Doing good. Uh, first day back at work after I got a... I needed a week off. This is not how I wanted to get it. <laughs> but covering my feet in second-degree burns. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah, not the best way to get out of work, but it works. I, uh, I mentioned it on the show last week, and there was an outpouring uh, of well wishes from the fans, so I'm, oh, I'm glad you're able so, to get up and move around. That's very sweet. Uh, it was a very uh, intense week, but yeah. I you know, g- went through a lot of gauze and pads <laughs> and got a... Went gr- through a lot of gauze. You, you know it's not good when uh, you show your feet to a doctor and even they recoil a little bit. Oh, no. Oh. Yeah, when when even like a doctor is like, oh, oh, Jesus, okay. I mean, I have that reaction to any feet, yeah. so maybe uh, he's yeah. just... Him and I are both yeah. the anti-Tarantino. We just first off, got that I was gonna say, yeah, Alex. Good theme. You're right. Yeah. Wow, yeah. Alex. Wow. God, I was so focused. Yeah. I was but, so focused on the feet joke that I could not. Yeah. Uh, uh, wow. But no, I mean, it's it's like a double fold, right? Because there's nothing they can really do. They can't like prescribe me a pill that makes my feet unburnt. So <laughs> they're like they're like grossed out, and then she just looked at me. and was like, yeah, that sucks. Uh, I, I guess I can give you an ointment, and then oh, uh, hopefully you don't have any nerve damage. But uh, doctors really can't do anything about burns. It turns out. Uh, oh yeah. So that, I mean, that can't was... you just can't you regraft like a bunch of skin from your butt onto your feet? Uh, and then I you'd s- have butt feet. That's what I'd call you. I'd call you butt feet. Uh, yeah. I mean, I I would have suggested that, uh, but I was. <laughs> I, I was more kind of concentrated on just like, because it was already Valentine's Day, uh, was, so I I injured oh, myself right. three three days before Valentine's Day, and I was kind of stubborn and I was like, let's just see if it gets better before we go to a doctor because they can't really do anything, and then I was like, okay, it's it's looking better, but let's just go and get it double checked just in case, and it just happened to, uh, so the e- the emergency urgent care was very busy. Uh, and I walked yeah. out like with weird feet because uh, I was like limping and because my feet hurt really bad. But I was trying to make sure people yeah. knew that my feet were hurt and not like I just had something removed from my butt because it was Valentine's Day. And I imagine 
that's that's mostly what the you see at Ojin Care on Valentine's Day. Yeah. So I was like yeah. very much like, no, my feet. See, I'm wearing slippers. <laughs> Uh, not that, that's a fun Valentine's Day date. Go to Urgent Care and yeah. see who's walking out funny. Yeah, there was <laughs> there was this one couple who were there, and they got called uh-huh. in at the same time. And I was like, oh, yeah. I guess like one of them's going back with their partner. And then the nurse went up. So would you guys like different rooms or just one? So they were both mm. coming oh, in no. uh, to see some, and I was like, what? <laughs> That's so romantic. Yeah, what uh, <laughs> what were they doing that both of them needed oh, to see uh, Relationship goals. Yeah. Yeah, no kidding. I want to urgent care together. Oh, that'd be so beautiful. Um, well, we're glad to have you back. It's good um, to be we back. We definitely missed you last week. Uh, joining us also, of course, on loan from the Dumb and Busted podcast, also in Southeast Portland, at Hungry Hunty on Twitter, it's Mr. Hunter Donaldson. Yeah, my feet are healthy, fine. Mm-hmm. And How's your butt? My butt's good. Um, I want to. I want to stick on the feet though a little bit. Uh, okay. I took. I took my shoes off. I took my socks off for the show. Mm-hmm. My feet good. are out. Uh, they're kind of like, kinda like up on casual. my face right now. That's where I have <laughs> them. I have them like right up on both cheeks. Um, oh, right. I, so I can. I'm not comfortable to, with this. Yeah. Now I'm not. At first I thought you were just being relaxed, but now I'm freaked out. Well, I mean, I just feel like we got to stay on brand. We've already started with feet talk. Yeah, and yeah. It's this just is going to be a lot of feet episode. discussion. Yeah, this. So I think I think Quentin would like that. Yeah. I think we're yeah. doing this as an. I think he'd be honored. He he very much would be. In fact, uh, hopefully, uh, you've already gotten my email. I sent you a bunch of pictures of my feet, so you can put those up <laughs> along with the episode to promote it. <laughs> Uh, yes. And it's just like my feet wearing various types of shoes, you know. But like shoes yeah. from classic movies that uh, yeah, you, yeah, you yeah. Sort of <laughs> take from shoes. and not acknowledge. Yeah, yeah it's shoes just... from like eight and a half. I'm wearing his shoes yeah. and her shoes mm-hmm. uh, yeah. from the mm-hmm. dance scene and that. Yes. Well, I'm, I appreciate you going so being so dedicated to that part of this and not just saying the N-word a bunch during this episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that, that part is less important for me, but we'll get to it. <laughs> uh, and then rounding out the panel today, you guys, we have a very special guest. Uh, it, uh, she's at Amandable on Twitter uh, in Boston, Massachusetts. Uh, um, science Scientist and Read and Weep favorite, Aww. Amanda Linebaugh. I thought I was going to be angry feminist Amanda Linebaugh, but I'm okay well, with this. Well, so... You are like this. So just to be clear, um, <laughs> you have chosen this role for yourself. I didn't bring you on because I <laughs> that needed is correct. that. I'm not, I was not forced this upon. Immediately this is he goes to damage control. I don't want to misunderstand. Because if, if, I, if I said that, it would be so horrible. So you, you I, I, I don't want to prejudge. Maybe you love QT. Um, and, and, but um, I'm just, I'm just glad to get you back on the show because it's been way too long. Oh, thank you. Well, you know, as with uh, most terrible men, I have a complicated relationship with my feelings for Quentin Tarantino. Yes. Oh, that's such a good way to think about it. I am wearing two pairs of socks. That's how I feel about him. (laughs) There we go. You're protecting yourself. We've got the gambit of feet styles right now. And, like, they're not cute socks. They're like big old grandma socks. Like, it's just everything is covered. You can barely tell I have feet. Um, I am super uncomfortable with all this. I'm glad you're here. And if you choose that you'd like to play the angry feminist role, that would be wonderful. 
It's my favorite role. <laughs> good. Okay. Good. I that's I'm like on, like truthfully in my heart I was hoping that but if you had said <laughs> I'm here to defend him I would be like that's you know what that's fine. Um, that's, I'm disappointed that's that I wasn't offered that role, mm. but I guess I understand. You were not. I mean, no, you were. We can try. I off. just assumed. Mm. You, so yeah, you, obviously you're able to support. Um, obvi- you know, obviously that's not my role. I already assumed Anthony's doctor was a boy, um, <laughs> but that's you're true. welcome to yeah. take that role as much as you like. Yeah, you're the Republican on this one. Oh my, Alex, God. you're the Republican um, on that, most. That's things, already yeah. already slinging slurs, man. Yeah, this is uh, this is a running theme. Anthony, uh, you were not here last week when we. I, I tried to. <laughs> Um, defend myself a little bit against your attacks the week prior when you were not here because it was safer. Mm. Uh, it felt easier. Um, but now I'm glad you're back now, so I can't. I'm going to retreat back into my hole. Um, so before we talk about Quentin, um, oh, so so what's what's going on with the show today? So this is uh, season three, of course, which is our back to school season. Specifically, we are still doing slightly condescending film school. <laughs> professor Anthony and associate professor Hunter are explaining to idiot student me a little bit about film so uh that's what's happening on the show and today we're trying a thing where we're going to talk about a director instead of a specific movie so today we're going to be discussing um in some detail quentin tarantino and specifically we're going to be answering the question um how should i feel about him because i don't no. I, I, kind of I have made, the answers. I kind of made this uh, <laughs> joke earlier, but the nice thing about covering Tarantino is you kind of get like 20 other directors at the same time. That's true. You yeah, know, you yeah. Get, uh, he cast a wide. He stands on well, the shoulders of a lot of other great directors, you know? Yes, barefoot yes. on the shoulders of giants. <laughs> <Yes>. um, <laughs> my, my overarching question for today, though, is like, should I feel bad? for not liking him more or should I feel bad for not liking him less? Cause I am in the middle and I feel guilty either way. But before we get into, into Quentin, um, let's catch up with everybody. Um, Anthony, you sounded excited to start. So what else have you been watching this week? Uh, yeah, uh, I've had a lot of time uh, to sit around and watch <laughs> movies over the last week. Uh, so mm-hmm. I've seen a bunch of things I've never seen before. I saw National Treasure 2. Loved it. Uh, <laughs> oh, good. Finally. Yeah. I, uh, you got to get ready for 3. They just announced it, you know. And Oh, okay. That's what <laughs> I love Nick Cage. I like Indiana Jones-esque adventure movies, and they're very yeah. fun. It's an okay. It was a fun sense. When you're in agonizing pain, sometimes that's what you need, you know? Um, it does that's sound fair. light and fun, and yeah. And I like the name of it because Nick Cage is a national treasure. Yeah, I. Uh, <laughs> but the few things I do, uh, two movies I really want to suggest and had a really good time watching them is uh, Heather recently borrowed from a co-worker the Charlie Chaplin co- Chapman uh, collection. Uh, so we watched um, The Great Dictator and are going to slowly go through Ooh. a bunch of his other movies. Uh, and that is a nice. good movie. It is not at all what I thought it was. Uh, which is very weird, you know. Which was a uh, a Hitler propaganda piece. No, it's uh to not kind of spoil, but I have I've just through osmosis I understand the basic plot, and I've always thought it was like a true like Prince and the Popper story when like these two people who look like switch places for most of the movie, uh, and that's not what the movie is. Spoilers! Hmm. Only the last scene is he mistaken for the fake Hitler. Oh. It's a very different movie than I thought, but pretty okay. funny, right. well made. And then the main movie I want to talk about—I finally had a chance 
to see uh, Your Name, which is a uh, Japanese oh. uh, animated film that came out. Shinkai. Yeah, came yeah. about two years ago. It is also a kind of a trading places type. Uh, it's a body switching movie of these two hmm. young adults, one in uh, Tokyo, one in like rural Japan. Uh, and it's a man. And they do a Freaky Friday. Yeah, well, it's a boy and a girl. They they when they randomly with no rhyme or reason they they occasionally switch bodies, and it's a uh, very funny. Occasionally. Yeah, so it's completely random, and it's just when they go to sleep. Oh, that's interesting. Um, but it has a really cool twist about halfway through. Uh, it's very touching. It's incredibly beautiful. Uh, I loved it quite a bit. If you're into animation, I can't suggest watching uh, Your Name, especially because they're already talking about doing an American remake, which I can't imagine will be as good. So see it right. before uh, the big crappy American remake ruins it for you. I, I do Anthony, like the animation... Go, sorry, go ahead. Have you seen any of his other uh, films? Because I would go, I would go one step further and recommend his entire oeuvre. Yes, he's great. I man. have not. He's kind of building on the same themes in every movie. Um, so if you liked your name, uh, also his features get like shorter the further you go back. So you could catch up on all the other ones like probably in an afternoon. That's awesome. Yeah, I I have heard a lot about his his uh, work. I know he has a new film that just came out. Um, or at least came out here in the States. I don't know when it was originally released. Uh, but yeah, I'd never seen any of his work before, and this is one of those movies that just, like, it has such a clear, unique vision and voice behind it that I, I'm i going to try to track down everything else he, he, uh, he has that done. That sounds it's, rad. It's very, very good. I can't suggest it enough. Hunter, what have you been watching? Um, I'm going to use my time to kind of do a segment that I've done before where I complain about Star Trek, and it's the current state of Star Trek. So last week on Picard, there uh-huh. I'm going to sound like such an old crotchety man, but yeah. one of the things that New Trek does that upsets me, because to, to me, New Trek is something you watch with your family, is people say... And, and excuse me, but people say the fuck word in Star Trek now, and I don't Whoa. like it. Okay, I don't like it when people say the fuck word in Star Trek. So you think you think like <laughs> once we take care of like once we're in a post scarcity universe, we'll stop swearing? Well, also, it's not a post scarcity universe in New Trek anymore. They oh. they're now people are poor because oh, okay. someone lives in like kind of destitute trailer situation. So I it is a I don't understand Star Trek at all, but I think that if people are poor, they should be allowed to swear. I don't think it's um, fair for you to be mad about. Oh, that. so you'll, okay, you'll okay. give poor people the right to swear, Alex, and that's. I'm glad to see, see your I priorities. Was, you can't twist. Finally, this. I was on the right side of this one. You're trying to flip it around yeah. on me. I, you know what? All right, that's fair. But there's a there's a sword guy now, so we have a sword guy, oh. and the sword guy cut somebody's head off, and. I'm going to continue to watch this forever, no matter what happens to it, but I will complain endlessly, and I'll, I'll never stop, but um, can't wait for I next I wish week. they had gone with a baby Picard. 
<laughs> oh, I think that's a Gaga better baby spin-off. Picard? Yeah, I'd yeah, be like into kind that. of a Muppet baby uh, situation. Yes. <laughs> well, <laughs> with just really big legs wandering through. Yeah, I love it. Babies still bald. Interestingly well, enough, what what was the Hunter? You might know this. What what was the movie that had Tom Hody playing a young Picard? Nemesis. Nemesis. Yeah, yes. I mean, so they already kind of mm. did that. Yeah. Uh, that's yeah, good. they have I sort like of that. done Muppet Babies Star Trek with Tom Hardy playing a very sexy bad guy in it. But he also does, actually, never mind, he's not so sexy because he does some pretty creepy shit in that movie. That movie's creepy as hell and sucks, actually. But, yeah, but it's, it's <laughs> Tom Hardy, so you're just, like, uncomfortably attracted to yeah. him. Like, oh, no. Yeah. Oh, uh. yeah. It's hot, but it's weird, and it's not yeah. It's not good. It's bad. It's it bad. It's very bad. Uh, Amanda, well, um, I didn't tell you to prepare for this, but what else have you been watching uh, <laughs> recently? What Movies usually, but sometimes TV. Uh, or you can use this opportunity to talk about some, like whatever your agenda is. That you wanna... <laughs> whatever my agenda is. Oh, I have one. It's okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, the movie that I most recently saw was this weekend, and I went and saw Birds of Prey. Oh, uh, how was it? It is fantastic. Rem- and remember, this is representing an entire gender. So. <laughs> it is, indeed, because God knows uh, women are not allowed to have bad movies. Um, but that's okay, because we don't. It's absolutely amazing. Like The action sequences are just like so completely on point. The soundtrack is amazing. Oh. Like Margot Robbie is just like a goddess. She's so... Mm-hmm. You just want to keep watching her, and it's really fun and really funny, and uh, I'm not surprised that, uh, you know, a bunch of dudes are having sad feels about it. <laughs> I, I, um, I'm tempted, I, I wasn't originally planning on seeing it as I um, generally skip comic book movies, mm. not for gender reasons. Um, <laughs> oh, but sure. I just not, yeah, uh, whatever. <laughs> If you listen back, oh no, he used to be a Marvel fanatic, this guy. Well, to be fair, DC Uh does normally suck. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. Also, also an issue. But I, um, I just found um, uh, a friend of mine who works in the stunt world uh, got thrown through a window in that movie. So now oh, I want no to, see, to see what happened to her. Oh, there's a there's a few throwings through windows. So I wonder which one she was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know which one, but I'll, I'll go watch it. Um, that's rad. Um, so I, I watched a couple things this week. Um, but I'm going to use my time. Well, so I'll just say them. But I watched, I watched Moon. Mm. Uh, oh yeah, Sam yeah, yeah. Rockwell. Which was kind of fun, and I watched Knives Out finally, mm. which is obviously incredible. Um, but the thing I want to use my time to talk about really quickly is I also uh, I went to Disneyland a couple weeks ago, and I've been meaning to bring it up to you guys. Um, I got to go to Star Wars Land. Uh, for oh, Star uh, Wars Land! You mean Galaxy's Edge, Alex? Yes, yes, <laughs> I definitely yeah, mean that. It's actually that. called Galaxy's Edge. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, well, so I, I went like a week after the new, the new, the second ride opened. Uh, Rise of um, the Resistance. Yes, Rise of the Resistance, which I, oh I don't God. actually feel like. I don't feel like er- has earned me saying its name because it doesn't give a shit about me. It turns out you don't oh. just get to go on that ride. Um, it turns out you have to get to the park, pay, go through security, get inside, and then you open your app and it tells you you're not allowed to go on it today. Oh, wow. So What is this? Ride it and reap? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's just like, it's just a digital queue and not everyone is guaranteed to get in. And what happened, I think I, what I, I read was on the last ride, when they opened the first ride, um, whatever Falcon business. Smugglers Run. Um, Smugglers Run. Um, they, 
you could like find out if you got on the ride before you paid for the park. And so people would show up, not get on the ride, and then not go into the park. And they decided that was not a tenable system for this company. You have to pay first before they tell you no. And so anyway, we were going to go anyway. Not a huge deal, but we were just not able to go on that ride. We did go on Smuggler's Run. And the main point that I want to make is that Smuggler's Run can 100% go fuck itself. Wow. It is. It is awful. It is just the stupidest waste of time. Uh, it is a, it is an hour-long line for a three-minute video game, and the controls don't really work because they assume a lot of people aren't actually good at video games, and so they don't let you control most of the time. Uh, the joysticks just don't do anything. Also, two of the jobs, you're not facing forward, so it's a motion ride where you can't watch the screen. <laughs> It's fucking boring. It's so boring. Uh, do not care for it. However, the bar in Galaxy's Edge is incredible. Uh, we we the only we we got a reservation two weeks in advance, and the earliest reservation was like ten thirty at night. But we got in. I drank some blue milk, and my my sisters had some had beers, and it was just it was so great. There's a robot DJ. The just. The, the the our waiter was the worst nerd I've ever met. Um, just the, he thought he was so funny, um, and but it was so perfect. Anyway, I loved it. So fuck that ride, but hang out at the bar. That's my that's my Star Wars land take. That's a good review. Yeah, yeah I I just want to say by fun. the way, um, last week I uh, someone asked me what my wife's phone number was. Could not think of it. But you may ask me what are the rides at an amusement park I've never been to. And I, I got those locked and loaded, ready to shoot. I am a goddamn mess. <laughs> you are a mess. All right. Anyway, we have to jump into this now um, because uh, we, we only have a limited time today. So um, we're talking about Quentin. Like I said, my main question is, should I feel bad for liking it this much? Or should I feel bad for not liking it more? Um so here's my like exp here's why I was like feeling like this when we went into it. Obviously, we just watched Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which I thought was delightful. It was probably the most I've enjoyed any of his movies. Um, which I started in like high school, and I liked Pulp Fiction and Reservoir Dogs a lot because I was in high school, and they felt like they were for me. People were talking cool and <laughs> shooting each other. It's great. And you you were uh, totally cool in high school, right? Well, yeah. I no, I mean, obviously no, and I know you're joking, but like I, there, I, you know, presumably if I was cool, I would be less excited to watch people who talk cool. Mm, like that's mm -hmm. that's the it's like such a wish fulfillment in mm -hmm. high school to be like, man, these guys just go to a restaurant and they have such interesting conversations, <laughs> and then they also shoot people. Anyway, it was so that was like a fun thing that I enjoyed. And then I, I Kill Bill came out when I was in college, and I hated it more than I've any movie I've ever seen. And then like the other stuff I've seen is kind of I had go back and forth on. Anyway, so that's what I'm trying to figure out is how I should feel. Um, Hunter, what we, so we we set this up a little bit last week, so I mm -hmm. want you to start with me. Sure. Should I feel bad for how much I like it or how little I like it? Uh, well, I mean, that's one of those questions that I feel like we've come around to a lot in doing this, that I feel like however you feel about it, it's Alex, like, it's okay to feel how you feel, <laughs> but uh, I think Tarantino is... A really interesting person to talk about because I think there's a generation of people that kind of started um, interacting with cinema and thinking about uh, f 
fancy director auteur people because of Tarantino. He was kind of like a gateway drug for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that kind of colors like how much they like it and how they feel about it. And also uh, complicates their maybe adult relationship to their high school self that really liked a lot of these films unabashedly, regardless of maybe what people are saying or what people are doing. Um, so would you I say mean, then that my my confusion and my evolution from high school is common? Yeah, I mean, there's a reason that he's like a super controversial director. I mean, like, I feel like if if we didn't really like anything about his movies, then there wouldn't be a lot of controversy that surrounds him. You know what I mean? Like, if he was just like some shitty idiot that just made movies nobody cared about, nobody would really like. It's not like he could still be, like, be a oh, shitty man. idiot yeah. <laughs> and, Do, well, and make movies that people care about for some strange reason. Yes, oh, okay. So, <laughs> sorry, I don't know if I'm allowed to interrupt. No, do no, it. Do uh, it. Yeah, I, I would like to just keep this a little bit more segmented. Um, so I do. Oh. I, I want that. I want more of that. Um, but I, I, I think so. I think it's really interesting. The idea that like this got people excited about other film and yes. then maybe when they come back, they don't feel as strongly about it. Um, Amanda, I know, I, I, I think I know where you're coming from, so I'm going to come back to that in just a second. But first, <laughs> Anthony, your laugh at me earlier, Hunter just gave me a good answer to my question, like an adult <laughs> answer. But I feel like you are going to tell me that I should feel bad because that's how you usually talk to me. So what well, do you, I'm, I'm, how do I'm you gonna think? I'm going to switch sides too when Anthony starts talking and team up against you yeah. as well. I just want to put that. <laughs> okay, great. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, no, I mean, I just, I think it's like, uh, one, I think this whole process, I think we've said this to you every time, but like you feel how you feel. I think Hunter is absolutely yeah. right. I like the idea of doing a panel uh, exploratory committee to discover how you feel about things, Alex. <laughs> it's a really fun, novel, 21st century way of doing things. Uh, I think you should set up like a, like a in real life Twitch stream and just have people like upvote or downvote on every action you make. Okay, um, okay. I think that that would kind of work very well with this type of thing. But I, that does if that does that movie exist where there's like a Reddit community for each of your decisions and they get to vote on what you do thought, the whole day. Is that a Black Mirror? Episode yeah, it <laughs> sounds like Black Mirror for sure. Um, if it's not yet, you should mail yourself uh, that pitch in an envelope right now, Alex. Because <laughs> it's it's getting made. Um, That's solid. Uh, no, uh, but you know I. I think he's uh, certainly as a as a person, you know, whatever. I don't really feel too much about him, but there is kind of a few over very broad things I want to say about Tarantino and why I, I'm glad one, I'm glad he exists, and I do genuinely like most of his movies. Um, I think one, he uh, he's someone like Wes Anderson in terms of like, especially in the modern state of <laughs> cinema. The fact that anybody is out there making original pictures that do really well, and like for some, and I think it's mostly because he was so influential in the '90s that like Quentin Tarantino movies do like three hundred million dollars, two three hundred million dollars a piece. Yeah. Like no one else making original movies has that kind of a consistent track record, and I think that's because yeah. he definitely, you know, like Hunter said, turned a lot of people on to kind of like. Uh, tour theory i think in the 90s and he's also a very self-aggrandizing person who puts his name everywhere and really kind of made himself a brand um yeah. but to me his 
there's two there's two kind of phases of Quentin Tarantino's work. There is like, uh, you know, the first three films, uh, Reservoir Dogs, Pulp Fiction, and Jackie Brown, and th- those movies became such a staple and a template for movies. I mean, the one of the things you have to say about Tarantino, even though he rips off a lot of people, he's definitely the most ripped off director of the '90s. The amount of mm. Pulp Fiction knockoffs and movies that tried to be that uh were everywhere in the 90s and it kind of i think really dulled that those movies edge uh except for jackie brown i think jackie brown is his underappreciated masterpiece i genuinely love that because he didn't write it that's why it's Uh, a masterpiece well he didn't write it he just (laughs) adapted it yeah but yes yes yeah Um, still (laughs) but uh and then his sort of live act his sort of live action cartoon thing that he segued to in the last few movies i think have all have all been really good his last four films in particular, I'm a very big fan of. Uh, I love Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Hateful Eight, I think, is pretty good. I like Django Unchained, and I think Inglorious Bastards this is his best work. Uh, I like I that... Just, so that was the one I had not... Well, I guess there's a couple I have not seen. I've not seen Jackie Brown, and I had not seen Death Proof. I'd also never heard of Death Proof until just now when I was looking it up. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of weird. But then I had... I, the, the Of the major ones that people talk about... I had not seen Glorious Bastards until this week, so that one's the freshest for yes. me. So I and mean, I do. I wanted to say I do like uh, yeah. that. Minus all of the different sort of things, I think he has become a much richer filmmaker. Besides literally being rich, but like well, yeah. thematically rich. I think his first few films are like very stylish, but kind of empty. I think his last four films, one, all end with racists getting incredibly violently murdered, which is a very mm. interesting theme to see someone making in Hollywood. Um, yeah. And I think that when you look at, like, you know, like, uh, Once Upon a Time Hollywood, I think, is a very rich, deep, layered, nuanced uh, movie that is told very bluntly. I think The Hateful Eight... Um, uh, this uh, I forget who said it, but uh, African American writer I really like described it as like the best summary of the African American experience in America he's ever seen. Uh, Inglorious oh. Bastards, I think I could teach a college course on just that one movie and all the stuff that I think is brilliant about it. Um, so I, you know, I think I'm kind of you know some of his other work I can take it or leave it, but to me the stuff that is good. Uh, Jackie Brown, Inglorious Bastards, and Hateful Eight, Django, and uh, Once Upon a Time Hollywood, I think are some of the best movies being made of the past few decades. Uh, very original work, you know, even though they do plagiarize from a lot of other films. Um, and then also, one last sort of thing I'll say about his uh, his work is that I think that even though his films are like become controversial and everything i do sort of like the uh his sort of like and i think this is really what's going to maybe make or break his career over the next few years is if he sticks to the 10 film promise um which yeah so he he made like the the movie equivalent of like a a one-term pledge is he he (laughs) promised to he, he promised to quit while he was ahead, right? Yes, so the idea is, you know, because most of his heroes, and I think that 
to a certain element that's true. Like, we kind of forget about it because we have people like Scorsese or Spielberg uh, who've been making films for years. But, you know, all of his sort of heroes and, you know, even, like, people I really love, like Robert Zemeckis or De Palma or Francis Ford Coppola, their work just becomes garbage at a certain point, and he never wants to reach that. Uh, so I think if he if he does the next movie and it's as high a quality as his last few have been and then just literally like, okay, I'm just going to publish books uh, or oh, my screenplays as books now. People can adapt them if they want, but I'm done with movies. Uh, I think that is really going to be the sort of the thing that sort of makes or breaks his legacy. If he after that, he just starts doing like. DC or Marvel comic book movies, or if he ever makes that Star Trek movie he was supposed to, uh, <laughs> like I like I'm gonna be very kind of like, oh well, you kind of just kind of just sort of like pumping out garbage, you know? All right, all right. So that seems like a pretty clear position, Amanda. Talk to me now about where you're coming from on this. What is your experience with these movies, and like, how did you get to the place that you are now with it? Um, thank you for giving me a place to start because I was going to say uh, I don't know where to start. But <laughs> you, you know how prepared yeah, I am you, for you, these you, all the as, time. As, as little as I know about film, I know a bit more about hosting. <laughs> so I, have, an, <laughs> I have a page of notes, <laughs> an entire page of single space notes. Um, wow. Th- Man, these are people my don't feelings. Usually try for this show so that's really awesome i wanted to make sure that i didn't miss out on any single shitty part of him um so 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 tell me how you got here my my path how i got here is um i was a teenager who thought i was edgy too of course i was into (laughs) quentin tarantino movies uh when i went through that phase that unfortunately uh, a lot of girls go through the oh i'm not like other girls i like violent movies um, <laughs> i have seen uh everything except for the zombie one i think well, um and death, i did not the, see death proof wait oh, you, was oh death no. proof zombie movie no it was or do you mean dusk till dawn dusk till dawn yes i have not seen Which dusk till is, dawn it's not his full writing directing but the, but he is True. he like he, he wrote it and rodriguez directed it yes is that right? so he has also and well, he also acts in it yes Besides his directorial filmography, he also has True Romance, Natural Born Killers, and right. uh, The Dust Till Dawn as films he wrote but did not direct. I, yeah, so I, just a brief I, aside about Dust Till Dawn, which is that I loved that movie in high school, and it, uh, among these, it's one that I think I still would like. <laughs> I, I, I don't think I. And for, there's something about it that feels like it feels like it's probably not actually good, but it was. It was. There's some stuff about it that is very fun, and I. There's a um, a line where he's um, uh, he's um, they're they're directing uh, where to drive, and uh, the character goes like you gonna get down to when you get to Degayo, you turn this big bastard left and then you stop because that's where we're going and i think of that line all the time that's like a line that i still would say if we were on a road trip together i would likely say you're gonna turn this big bastard left i'm gonna say that and i'm gonna think about it a lot um well also what i love about that movie is that my friends showed it to me without telling me it was a zombie movie so you yeah. 
know it as the zombie movie, which would be way less fun for you if you actually watched it, because it's not a zombie movie for 45 minutes. For 45 minutes, it's just like, this is a Quentin Tarantino movie. It's talking fast. There's some shooting. It's a fun, violent movie. And then all of a sudden, there's a vampire, and you're like, what the fuck? And I enjoy that. I like a movie. I like that it, it just shifts gears in the middle if you can not know that. So I'm ruining it for everybody who hasn't seen it, I guess, by saying that. But it was fun. It's a fun it's a fun vampire movie. Anyway, back to you uh, and your journey. So you so you you are not like the other girls. Yeah. Um, yeah, so which um, I, I, I actually also one more thing on that, which is that I there seems to be especially right now on the internet, there's like a lot of pushback against the I'm not like the other girls, but I feel like in general we're so embarrassed of our teenage selves that oh, we're hard nope. on teenagers in nope. a way that they don't necessarily deserve. Nope. No, okay. uh, it's, it's right. not. A, it's not about that. that. <laughs> okay. Um, it's it's it goes much further than that because it's it's not about you know disliking your teenage self. It's about the fact that you know young girls go through um, an internalized misogyny phase <laughs> uh, oh. because of you know the not like other girls is. Um, trying to cope with that, trying to cope with all the negative um, things that society tells you about women. So you don't want to be that negative persona so therefore you're not like other girls yeah so i guess i want to go I, that's, I guess i'm agreeing with you on that is that i think like i don't want to be so hard on them because the things they're responding to are very real even oh, if the way I'm, that they i'm not ragging on teenage is, girls is, i am ragging yeah. on uh teenage boys who never grow up and continue their edgelord ways <laughs> and uh shoving their foot fetish into everybody else's faces okay good good Continue, continue. So you went through that phase. Yeah, and, then... and so I, I have seen every Quentin Tarantino movie other than uh, the latest one. I have not seen Once Upon a Time in Hollywood because I will not watch Quentin Tarantino movies anymore. Um, yeah, you're I... like, just I, only 80%. That's mm. my maximum. <laughs> um, well, I, I don't know. Do we want to talk about how Hateful Eight was legitimately... Uh, the only movie I've ever been in where I wanted to walk out and get my money back? Or do we want to oh. talk about all of the allegations that have come out about Quentin Tarantino that really um, put an I even creepier spin? I would love to talk about the allegations secondarily. I do want to get to that. I want to talk about... because I So so to put this back into film school vibe yes. for me... Oh, um, oh we can talk about th the 70 millimeter and all that. <laughs> no, Bullshit. no, not that part. I don't care about that part. What I care about, so one thing is we were talking last week a lot about the role of a director and a writer mm -hmm. and auteurship and just like who we sort of credit movies with and how do we figure mm. out like what the, mm. like, and, and also I'm interested in, one of the reasons I wanted to do a whole director is I'm interested in the way, like Hunter, you just mentioned with the, um, uh, with a, a Japanese animator where there's like, um, there's like a, a, a theme to the work as a whole, right. not just to the individual films. So I'm interested in that. And that's one of the things. So I want to look at those things here. And then I am oh, also, from a I film standpoint, for, <laughs> good. I'm also very, very interested in talking about um, art and artist and, and mm. separations or continuity thereof mm -hmm. um, and on and off screen things. And I, 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 um, yeah, I mean, for for obviously we also I would like we should talk about Weinstein because uh, mm -hmm. I, I I just um, I hadn't thought about it, but when I went to find a picture of Quentin's lumpy head to put on Twitter today, um, most of the pictures on a Quentin Tarantino image search right. are of him yeah. hugging Harvey Weinstein. Yep, and that seems questionable. I mean, uh, okay, fair, so, I, mean, I mean, not to no no no, no excuse, don't be fair to no, don't be fair no, to I'm not yet. Being, I want to go back. I just want to make like 
there's a lot of people who uh, have he pictures. He specifically with defended Harvey Weinstein, though. No, um, I'm not. Yeah, so, okay, so I do want to talk about those guys. Oh, so, but you keep it separated. Okay, so let's let's slow down. So, so anyway, um, th- those are just the re- so that's like what I'm interested in, and that's what I want to like learn from this. Okay, but, not but film, just like film schooly wise, yeah. yes, film yes. school wise. Um, so the point of movies is for you to you know watch this performance and to empathize with what is happening, to empathize with the performers. Okay. He doesn't do that. <laughs> Just ever. So you, he doesn't build so you, empathy at all. What he does is he writes interesting scenes with interesting people with no real through connection and no empathy built up at all through any of it. Um, I would get. So I would guess that that is not everybody's description of how to watch movies, but is a valid one that you have. And I, I, so, so, so I just want to grant you that first half of that. Um, I hadn't. I guess I hadn't thought about. I hadn't noticed how much empathy I have for people, but I. So he, I, and, I guess and I can't think of any. It, the way I, that like, he, really... he tricks you into thinking that empathy has been built is those endings. Is because yeah, it does feel good to see racists get blown up. Um, mm-hmm. That all feels very satisfying, but uh, shock value and creativity are not the same thing. Mm. Um, he has mm. that. Uh, that like shock jock air of going about movies that so, so while you're yeah it can your, be entertaining to watch watching these where was the point where you changed on this where was the part where you were what was the thing that made you go like i actually don't it was in don't it was in glorious bastards actually um, interesting say more about that because that's like i said that's the one that's freshest for me um it was the really um disgusting torture porn of the woman in it that I I didn't want to watch anymore. Quentin Tarantino after of the, that, and then of I, the strangling, and, uh, the yeah, the strangling and the spitting and all of that. Um, yeah, it made the me re- like look back and realize that there's you know the pattern in his films is not just violence, but it's also like really gratuitous, torturous violence against women. Um, I so definitely that, that really felt put me off. <laughs> not not just exclusively with her, but like just from the first scalp in that movie, I was mm-hmm. like, man, you could cut away from this, mm. and and it just keeps happening, and I really don't like it. And uh, I, <laughs> afterwards, my wife, I was talking to my wife about it, and I was like, I was talking about how like uh, just queasy I felt from a lot of it, mm. and she was like, oh, I didn't feel that that much, and the reason is because. Every time it happened, she would just turn around. So she saw the fridge more than she saw that movie. So of course it wasn't as queasy for you. I tried to like be in it, and it was like, mm. it's it's gross. It's mm-hmm. real gross, and that is definitely a through line to a lot of the films. So, so Hunter, how how do you feel about the violence? How does the violence of it uh, as it goes through? How does that affect you? And how do you think that affects the like themes as a filmmaker? Within the scope of like evaluating a movie like we would for this show, I don't I don't know that like we we live in a very uh violent culture as far as like uh like like what we see on screen uh and what we experience in the day to day. Um so I don't know that's maybe a little too big for me to respond like with no preparation. One uh-huh. thing I, I did want to respond to though is the empathy uh, within the movie thing? Because I yeah. thought that was interesting to say that that the movie do- that his movies don't 
have empathy for the characters because I think or they, I, they don't build empathy. They don't yeah, make you feel I, empathy. I, I don't feel empathy for the characters. I don't care what happens to them. I'm interested my, in what happens to them, but I don't care. Those are two my question, you know, very different settings. Yeah. My, my question with that though would then be like, where would you say the tension? So like in Inglorious Bastards, like let's talk about like the first the first scene or like the scene in Landa. the basement or something. One of those. Sh- yeah. Sure. Would you say that those scenes for you as a viewer had tension to them? Did you feel tension in those sequences? Well, I mean, I don't want children to die via Nazi, but yeah. um, <laughs> that's <laughs> that doesn't take um, good directing to make people feel that. So, so I, I yeah, I'm interested in what you're driving at here because I definitely felt tension in it, but I and sort of in the same way that I felt in Parasite, where I was like, oh, someone's going to get in trouble. Right, right. Like and, it, but, but and, and th- there's a big difference between like, ooh, something's is... going to happen, and like real existential dread. Um, and he, um, yeah, causes neither of those to happen. <laughs> do, you, do, you, do you feel like the way those sequences are are executed, though? Like, let's maybe take uh, maybe not the first one, then the the second one, uh, the second tension feel filled. Uh, sequence with the bast where the where the only people at stake are really just like the bastards and some nazis uh would you say that that sequence had tension in it for you i mean i also want the nazis to lose yeah but (laughs) but okay so not really no okay so just just for argument let's let's grant some tension here let's see what okay so hunter take me from there so so could a scene and i am i am asking this i i am honestly interested i'm not uh i this is not like a rhetorical device. I'm really just interested in exploring the idea of, is there a way for a scene to have tension in it or be full of tension? Cause I would argue that those scenes are not just a little tense, but full of tension, Yeah. but we are not actually empathizing with the characters on screen or we are not like on their side, I guess is maybe, maybe even a better way to put it. Is that, <laughs> Not even Does not. Does that make sense? It, it's not just on their, not just not on their side, but you're not. Um, it's that you're not empathizing. You're not feeling the feelings that they are. You're just like, ooh, something very Quentin Tarantino is going to happen next. <laughs> <laughs> like the uh, the tense music is playing. He's doing the things that set it up that this is a tense scene and something shocking is going to happen because that's what he does. He's going to shock us yeah. next. Maybe because because his style is so defined for you, it feels these sequences feel like. Kind I of think his style is very exercise. defined. Period. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I, no. I don't. I don't. I guess I made that sound like just for you is. Okay. Yeah. I think for everyone, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. his his style is very specific. But mm-hmm. I just, I wonder. I don't know. I just because because I don't. When you hear someone say like, "Oh, I watched these movies and I didn't, I didn't feel any empathy for the characters," I feel like I feel a lot of empathy for his characters. So I'm interested in exploring that because I feel like that's yeah. a difference in the way that me and you are viewing yeah. these movies. Yeah, no, that's that's a really good point. I I think also it is difficult as a woman to empathize with uh, obscenely violent men. So there's two parts of that. One is the obscenely violent, which I, I still want to get a little bit further into. But the other part is the, the masculinity portion of it. And that's another thing that I have mm-hmm. felt 
overarching with it, which is like I like cool conversations. Yeah. But overall, it's like there's just a there's a I tend to call it broiness because it's an easier yeah. word than like masculinity. But there is there is a strong broiness to, to the to the sequence of films. I mean, I. And- and I and the would, women in it are plot devices would, more than they are characters. Well, I mean, we yeah, can, you I can just, argue about Jackie Brown, but otherwise well, they're, I mean, they're plot like, devices. Like even like uh, the Bride and Kill Bill, or Alabama and mm-hmm. True Romance. Uh, like I, I would say, like he's. I mean, I'm not washing my like excusing all of his so, sort of things towards women, but I mean, I personally think Jane in The Hateful Eight is a great monstrous character uh who, who gets but, I mean, tortured through the whole movie but i mean i i do want i definitely understand the criticism of hateful eight and the way um uh, jennifer jason lee is treated in that movie uh um, i've got more criticism but i <laughs> so but so i so i would the, argue and with, the answer so besides a couple yeah. of small issues talk, like overall it does feel like for nine movies very very small amount of women who get to do anything interesting that's, and that's, lots that's of definitely true mm-hmm. I mean, and, and when women do appear they tend to be they, they mm-hmm. tend to be plot devices and also horrible things happen to I them mean I yeah. would argue that that's true uh, but also as someone with nine movies when three of them feature female leads it's also like kind of hard yeah, to argue that, that as well uh, uh, and I I would also I can argue it <laughs> No, Wait, are, I, you, are you including Kill Bill as two or one? No, Death Proof has an entire oh, female cast except for Kurt I have Russell. no idea what Death Proof it's is. It's a fun slasher horror film. Oh, it's, oh, it's uh, a... Death, Death Proof uh-huh. is an interesting one to pick. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, I we, was just explaining the yeah, third one in my... Thank you. Yeah, yeah. When, when we look at um, the timeline of when he created... Uh, those movies, the the Grindhouse movies. Um, so that was after he had almost uh, killed Uma Thurman in a stunt uh, that she did not yes. want to perform. What? And yeah. yes, um, she. I'm not she, familiar with the story. What happened? She was uh, severely injured doing a driving stunt. Uh, that she did not want to do. He made all of the stunt oh. people leave the set because he knew it was dangerous and he didn't want them to see him doing it. And uh, she, yeah, she had a severe uh, back injury, and her knees are still fucked up. What movie is this? Kill Bill. Uh, Kill Bill. Yeah. Sorry. Oh. Yep. Yeah, it's the yeah. when she's driving down the the like. I didn't yeah. see the second one. The Rocky Highway. To go see Bill. Um. So she's she was just, she was in a car accident on film. Yes. While she was doing the stunt that she didn't want to do. Jesus. Yeah, I so thought most, was, I thought in movies you were never really driving. I thought in movies the the car was on a truck. <laughs> That's towed. what I thought too. Yeah. Um, uh, so crazy. So Uma Thurman, you know, is severely injured in uh, in this stunt, and then the movies that he decides to write are a movie about uh, a guy with a foot fetish who drives a car that kills women. <laughs> I, I feel like that's an extremely poor taste. Um, yeah, that's gross. Yeah, anything yeah. with feet in is gross. But I'm like, so I'm like ninety percent there from just the feet thing. But then especially the car that kills women. Well, yeah, and then I, also just I- imperiling women, uh, uh, women doing stunts again. Well, uh, yeah, I don't, and I don't. I mean, that seems like a separate thing from. 
from the like well I, I, maybe it's not a separate thing so I, that, I mean that just seems so weird as a director to be like willing to put or interested in putting your actors in dangerous situations like the only person who should ever be hurt doing a stunt is Tom Cruise and, <laughs> and Jackie, the fact that you would take and Jackie anyone Chan. besides to, and Jackie well sure oh, Jackie Chan. poor yeah, Jackie yeah. no <laughs> but does I mean he, that was his thing was hurting himself doing yeah. his own stunts but yeah so if that's your thing that's but the idea of saying like I, I, I thought stunts were sort of like nudity like with a body double where it's like look mm. this is up to you yeah. you decide what you want to do um, and if you don't want to do it, we will get someone else because we are a big movie company. And we can afford that, and we don't make, especially like making a star do a stunt well, that they don't want. Alex, it's crazy I, like, to me. I'm not. I think it's like that whole situation is like tragic, and he definitely crossed the line by not wanting to do it. But to put it in perspective, it was a old fashioned coach. She wasn't comfortable driving, and she was supposed to drive it in a straight line, and she lost control of it and hit a tree. Because it was like an old coach, it, she didn't want to. It drive. was, yeah. it no. It was like rich. That's wrong. Really, yeah. Basically, yeah. It was a car <laughs> that had been modified from uh, being a stick shift to an automatic. The uh, stunt uh, coordinators oh. had said that it was uh, not safe to drive, and they and he still made her do it. It's not. I was trying to drive in a straight line and accidentally got in an accident. It was a dangerous piece of equipment so I, I, that he wanted her to use. I hate that. This sounds so. This is so terrible. But so that's that's shitty, and I would hold that against a person anyway. And then, but then your your point also is that like that seems to suggest that in real life he doesn't care about hurting women the same way he doesn't in his movies. Yes, that that's exactly um, what I would so say. Would, yeah, I, I do, he doesn't get a pass um, for not being a misogynist for having women led films when. Right. Uh, in, he's putting them he's in danger. Manipulating them, using them, and uh, there's also the uh, Rose McGowan uh, allegations against him as well, um, which are. Tell me about that one. Uh, he has repeatedly, over the years, in front of many people, uh, it, uh, in front of her and many other people, uh, talked about how many times he's masturbated to her feet um, in a scene in one movie. No. God, yeah. see again. I'm just ninety percent grossed out by the feet, but then also by the other part of that. <laughs> um, I hate feet too, so I, do, so I, I swear it's not just that bias. To be clear, I, I, yeah, I hate to be, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not want to be kink shamey of people, but like it is a little bit weird to me that you have a kink that is so well known because you're constantly putting what to oh, you yeah. is like extremely kink sexy. Uh, your fetish on on movies that's that seems a little bit gross to me too. I mean, yeah, there are a you're lot not of supposed directors. to in- include unwanted uh, people in your uh, kink. That's the way that's supposed to go. Yeah. Yes, yes, that's my okay. Th- that like of all of kink culture, that's my favorite one. Um, which is, <laughs> please leave me out of this. Um, I I love you know I love whatever you're into. It takes a village, but I should not be involved. So if your kink is like public things, find a place where I'm not. If you're gonna try that, because I would prefer not to see it. Um, that's my favorite rule of kink world. Um, but so it does seem like it, it does seem like he's willing to do some stuff that's like a little gross and a little little chauvy, which is my cool hip way of saying chauvinistic, but faster. <laughs> um, he likes to do some chauvy stuff. So in in real life, and then that. De- so what if we were going to talk about art and artist? Um, mm. I think you there there could be a case theoretically where that you could make where. Um, 
we could that where they're not like um where, where they're separate conversations i guess it, it, i would be willing to entertain that in certain instances but if you're saying like there's a pattern of this showy behavior off screen mm-hmm. And then there's this pattern of Shovey behavior on screen, and I'm not willing to just accept, oh, these are what the characters would do in his worlds, because that's how he also is, and so it seems like he's putting that part of him into movies a lot. Is that fair? I think that's fair to say. I mean, I, I don't think that Shovey things on screen get an excuse just because that's the character would do anyway. Well, that's because, what I wonder with the with the That's the, such the an easy part. out. Like, that's why, that's why it's such a trope. Um, it's right. just something yes. that you can use to reach right. for and, and, you know, get people, um, going, <gasps> Ooh, <gasps> you know, how, how shocking and exciting. And it's not shocking and exciting. It's just a fucking trope over and over again. Yeah. So that's what I wonder with the racist stuff too, which is like, Ugh. there's just a yeah. lot of characters who, who are casually racist. And like, if you're like, I, you know, in like Django Unchained, you're like, I want to tell the story of the antebellum South. There's going to be racist people in it. That would be one thing, but like Pulp Fiction, like there's no reason for that domestic mobster to mm-hmm. be a guy who says the N word all the time. It's not it, like that was a choice you made to be well, like, hey, Alex, you, you know have who's to, interesting. Alex, you have to understand, he wanted to play that role, so that was the reason for him. <laughs> That's to what have I feel. Yeah, like that, <laughs> and the fact that he, him as a terrible actor putting himself in the movie to play that character yeah. who just mm-hmm. whose whole char- only character trait is makes good coffee and says the n word a lot like yeah. it feels that feels like it's a thing that you like and so it it does feel like when we talk about a director's overall versus just one movie you do see patterns developing as mm-hmm. like themes to the work somehow you know whether it's like um, Bong's, Bong's theme of like class struggle, it feels like the themes here are like sexualizing violence and the n-word and I don't love that that's that's exactly what I would say, yeah mm-hmm. okay, so I'm so I'm feeling um, I oh, guess, there's, uh, open there's... to the arguments being made on your side, Amanda <laughs> There's also the part it, that Hateful Eight, like, you know, turns and revolves around a rape joke. So that's fun, too. I don't remember that. Is that what happens? <laughs> well, yeah. Samuel Jackson to get through And like a to poorly told gun. rape joke, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, OK, we don't have to be we don't have to be comedy art critic about the joke. <laughs> if the rape joke is problematic, either way. <laughs> Well, it was it was something that could have been written. I think that was something that under uh, more deft hands could have been written as a punching up sort of joke. And instead, it was just a weird sort of what? Yeah, he was just trying oh, to get wait, a reaction is, is from Samuel the Jackson audience. Talking about his giant dick. Yep. Yeah. Oh, I remember that. That was weird. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I I look at it more as like a, a sort of like the ultimate thing to uh, of. If you look at the movie as, like, a sort of a metaphor of, like, post-Reconstruction America and sort of, like, the lingering hatred there, the the theme... I think it's not done super well or executed very well, but to me, it's it's a statement on the theme of, like, the idea of being emasculated by black men is such a driving force of hatred and racism in this country uh, oh. that, that, like... Trying yeah. to like, I don't think he necessarily I, does it. The most I see what he was way. reaching Just, for. Yeah, yeah. I, I see what he would well, like I, to think people he was reaching for. I would, and I, I, I mean, I think that there's like, man, this feels so weird because I don't want to say like writers should not write about 
things that are not their own experience all of the time. I think there's something to making art to, as a way of empathizing and understanding people. Um, but it does super feel like that. That's a weird mm -hmm. story for Quentin Tarantino to tell. Mm -hmm. That's a weird... Unless his thing is that he's racist because of that. And then I guess it's like really is his story to tell. But <laughs> it is kind of weird. Um, well, I think that I'm, another poet to kind of criticize the man's psyche is somewhere deep down. He truly believes he is like a... He has like racial Dolazon disease. Like he believes he's uh, transracial. <laughs> like a disease. Now. Yeah, no, I just... The, whatever... Whatever mind... Admitted. Yeah, whatever... Uh, uh, whatever in people's heads think is like, no, no, I'm actually black. Uh, I think he genuinely, in his heart of heart, believes that, which is why I think he gives himself these excuses is another thing that's always kind of bugged me about him. Mm. I mean, especially when you see in interviews the way he talks about... I know his, like, his stepdad was uh, a, a person of color and he was very close with him, but I, I don't think that necessarily gives him a pass, especially like when he does interviews and he talks about... Um, the african-american community and things of like and it's just like it's like dude i i really doubt you have the cred to actually be telling this story yeah whatever, that feels you know? so weird too i didn't even um, know that part that's uh, great that's <laughs> weird okay so and, and, i mean so ba one thing is we're feeling because we're running out of time um because mm. we all have places to be um but i and it feels like really like I bit off more I could, than I could chew here. <laughs> Sorry. Because um, there's so much more to talk about. No, no, no. I mean, like, part of it is like trying to talk about somebody's body of work in like 30 to 40 minutes is kind right. of intense. Yeah. It's um, like blank check, but stupid. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I, I do feel bad about that. But um, I do want to say really quick, we definitely want to talk about the Weinstein thing right now because, mm. like, it's it's like the 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 idea that I have heard is that this was an open secret that everybody knew Weinstein was doing a lot of the stuff, right? Um, and and so I would understand if you said like I worked with him once and I got a gross vibe or I was like I didn't notice anything or whatever and I heard rumors, but he's Weinstein did all of his movies, right? Right. Yeah. Yes. And so that's that feels like like you had to know. And also, if every movie you did was with this guy who you know behaves this way around actors, then not only are you putting people in danger in the way you make them drive cars, but also you are very comfortable putting actors in awful positions with a rapist in order to be right. in the movies. And, and like Uma Thurman herself told him after Harvey Weinstein, uh, you know, tried to assault her one time, she went to him and, and said, like, this is what just happened with Harvey Weinstein. And he, he totally brushed it off and said, you know, Jesus Christ, that that's she just Harvey being like Harvey. Him. Yep. <laughs> she has a lot of reason to not like this guy. It does seem like he does not care about the safety of Uma Thurman. I think is a safe thing to summarize all of this. Mm -hmm. with. The thing. Um, so when you're, when it comes to, this is, this is such a, such a big topic. This is bigger than even Tarantino. Really? But you only have about um, a minute, so go. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, the the thing about Weinstein, and this is this is not really trying to take away from this, more just to inform you how deep this really goes, is like the Weinstein company financed so much shit you've watched and enjoyed. And yeah, yeah, yeah. And this connection goes so deep that this kind of dirty feeling you can get when thinking about Tarantino 
you should feel it when you watch Paddington too, just so you know. No, and yeah. not Paddington. <laughs> yeah, definitely Paddington. Wait for real? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, oh, God, uh, damn the King's it. speech. Uh, well, I knew the King's speech because that's like the one that he was like on the yeah, Oscars it's like, for. But care? Paddington. Actually, why was that my follow-up? Yeah. The King's <laughs> yeah, Paddington, you should feel bad. And also that beloved movie, The King's <laughs> speech. <laughs> I mean, well, Paddington is the greatest movie ever made. And now I'm really bummed out about it. Well, I mean, that's, I, you can't, that you can't like, don't let a terrible, like, monstrous super predator take away from that bear he didn't the bear had nothing to do with it i mean i so so generally um here's my 30 seconds on this since we don't have time to talk about it for real and i i'd like this maybe to become a a, um maybe a part of our ongoing conversation through film school which i i am generally pretty harsh on the art artists uh thing i i i think there's too many artists for us to take any time with someone who makes us feel oogie like and even if Weinstein has been a part of a lot of movies, there are too many movies already. Like I am already frustrated by how I will not be able to watch most of the movies. This is so such a Alex, like economical yeah. way to like, well, th- look at all these movies we could just ignore now. Well, this is, I mean, this is how I feel about. <laughs> now I've got so much time for the non Weinstein movies. This really cleans exactly. out well, the no, this, Netflix. But, oh, yeah, but this got, is why I don't. There's always a silver those. lining. No, yeah, you got time for a those. Silver Linings Playbook, yeah. which is another one of the movies no, that's been financed by the Weinstein Company. It's cool. Now he has, he has time for Kevin Spacey movies like Moon. Oh, you know? Oh. Yeah, that was a problem. But so I, the thing is, um, I, so I, that, I know how that sounds, but I guess this is when people say, like, I just, this person meant, means so much, their art means so much to me, there's so much other art. And I, like, especially like the thing that's so annoying, like with comedy, like I'm like the the fucking Louis C.K. thing, which drives me so much crazier because I know this world more than other worlds. Which is that there are two thousand comics who are not sexually assaulting people who mm-hmm. can't get work because right. there's not enough room at the top. <laughs> mm-hmm. We don't need to hang on to like. Oh, I'm mm-hmm. sure he made you laugh a bunch. He was good at comedy for a bit, but fuck him. I don't care. There's so many other people. And so that's how I feel about this. Like, just bring in more people. There's just so many, there's too many artists. Bring in more artists. With individuals who have such, like, singular works, it's a little bit easier for me. But what I always try to, the way I sort of justify it for myself is, like, I love the Smiths. The Smiths, are like, exactly the situation you just said, they mean mm-hmm. so much to me. Uh, mm-hmm. And Morrissey is such a dickhead. Uh, he was <laughs> such a... In- incredibly bad person nowadays that I feel really, really bad about listening to his music. But then I try to remember that there was three other guys in the band who did a lot of great work, too. So I, I mean, think, that's, especially well, that's with a good movies, point. when you, when it, you yes, throw please. out uh, when one bad apple, when you have so many other people who weren't shitty, who put their like love and sweat and tears into a piece of work as well. I hate that when like film or music like that get tarnished because of a bad person. If it's just like a bad person in his stand-up or a bad person who's a writer or like an artist that does music by themselves, to me it's much <laughs> easier to write them off. Or if it's a situation like Woody Allen or Roman Polanski when people know he's terrible and then make the conscious yeah. choice to continue working oh with God, them, then yeah. I can be like, fuck that movie. I don't need to see yeah. it. Uh, but if I, the I understand where, you, I see where yeah. you're coming from. And that's this is exactly the heart of this discussion. So this is where I want to like come to like some, some little point and then wrap on is that 
movies have a ton of people involved and I'm trying to decide what I'm trying to understand more is like the role of movie daddy which is what he is in the like what uh, Tarantino is to these movies because he's the writer and the director Um, so like does that have enough role that if I don't like him as a person I should forsake the other people who are doing good work involved in it and specifically with Weinstein it's like if every like he's been around but you literally partnered with him for 15 years on every project you did even after people who you were hiring actors and artists who you were hiring told you hey he's trying he's a fucking predator and you were like cool I'm gonna keep bringing him into these projects like I is that enough to outweigh a lot of other stuff going on in the movie is that how much um role that he has as movie daddy what were you gonna say amanda i i think um so i I read this article recently that i think really summed up my feelings on this whole art versus artist thing which is that um you can enjoy the things that you enjoy but if a shitty person is behind them you should shut the fuck up about them (laughs) (laughs) like you should keep that to yourself because you're actively um you're, you're, you know, spreading harm around by talking about this thing that you love that's really terrible and full of harm for people. Like, it's yeah, fine. You, you, you like, want to watch those um, movies in your basement? You go for it. But, like, yeah. don't don't say Tarantino is the greatest and I look up to him so much. You can say, like, Uma Thurman's an amazing actress. You can say Rosario Dawson is an amazing actress. You know, Robert Rodriguez yeah. does some cool stuff. I hope he's okay. Um <laughs> <laughs> well, probably not, but just just numbers wise. But uh, so I, I that's a really interesting point, and that that just reminds me of like Chappelle, which is like, look, mm. if you're gonna say Michael Jackson's music meant a lot to you, and you can't get rid of it because you know all these horrible things you did, that's one thing. But mm-hmm. if you put out a special where the first half hour is saying that those kids were a lying about being molested and b should be proud of having been molested, which does sort of undermine your other point, yeah. um, then but both of those like maybe that like that bothers me more if it. Yeah. Meant something to you and you don't want to take it away right i, I like you having that that relationship yes and i, I yeah. appreciate you not ruining it but man if you put that much effort into telling people that they should like it despite it that is a lot harder for me to swallow agreed yep. okay all right we we need to wrap up because this is just there's just too much and i uh, i have to get going so um, <laughs> I, I i like that so is the conclusion here that you watch Tarantino at night in your basement and don't tell yes. anybody about it. I yes. think it, I think, yeah. I think that's fair. All right. Uh, uh, I think and definitely great, steal it. Don't, don't give him any money. Just steal it and watch in your basement. I, I, I do feel like there's so much more to be said about it, but just like, I think as like from my day of learning, I am more susceptible to the arguments about him being shitty that I did not know before. (laughs) And that does seem partially because it like, that feels like a puzzle piece that fits nicely with Mm. my (laughs) oogie feelings. I was feeling this ooginess watching it. And now Mm -hmm. I'm like, Oh, I think I know why I felt so oogie is I think Mm -hmm. he must be oogie and he's putting himself into this stuff a lot. Mm -hmm. And that's not super. That's not for me. Um, I wish we talked more about like what is going on as a filmmaker, but that is, uh, that's all the time we have. So we're going to wrap on Quentin. We'll come back to this. And Anthony and Hunter, you can keep talking about um, uh, directorial vision and skills and things as we continue on. But we have one more. We're going to do a quick email segment before we leave, and then we're going to get out of here. (laughs) 
All right, a uh, couple quick emails from the in, uh, from the inbox from the inbox. You can always send us an email podcast at read weepcom um, Phone lines lighting up this week with demands to keep the conversation on pizza boxes going. So the point. Oh my god! No. At this point, Hunter, we are basically a podcast about pizza boxes. So, um, we I thought we got a lot done last week, but I, here let me just read this quick. We, we got just one email about it, but I think it's really interesting. So okay. I'm gonna read this from Claire. New, it better uh, be a new angle on the pizza. It box. is. A, it's, <laughs> It is largely a new angle. Okay. Okay. Uh, Dear Alex and Co., I have another take on pizza boxes, so let's keep this conversation going. (laughs) I think it's significant that there are four box folders, and we are told that 25% of the boxes are bad. To me, that says there was one bad folder, and I think obviously it was the dad. (laughs) (laughs) He's the one who cares the most and is trying hardest to follow the evidence. Yes. Okay, great. uh, he's the one who cares the most and is trying the hardest to follow the tutorial and fold boxes quickly. This shitty job is the most recent of a long string of ventures that he has and he's failed at. So within the capitalist system, some people cannot succeed no matter how hard they try and no one can stand the endless parade of failures forever. So it's not just financial hardship, but it's crushed his spirit and destroyed his pride. Hence the ending, which I will not go too far into. Um, so so the the evidence is just that he seems like of the family the longest running failed con man. All right, that's fair. And so like so Claire thinks we should just add that uh um that, that the 25% number suggests that dad that dad sucks at pizza boxes and so we're not supposed to undermine everyone else's work ethic but the dad. And I I I can see actually some cuz the dad is such a an interesting part of that movie where he by the way for those of you who've not listened before we're talking about parasite and the pizza box issue which has been very yeah, important I, and is the running theme for season uh three of the podcast ever since but, hunter put that image of my, in my head of you at a q a walking up to the <laughs> microphone and getting into this with the director yes i have seriously that was like what two three weeks ago i probably chuckle at that image every two days i well, Anthony, you, you were not here last week, but because you weren't here, um, I was able to convince Hunter to listen to me a little bit more. And we had a long conversation about pizza boxes where I do think we both actually came away slightly changed as humans. So, I, Well, it, I think, no, I it, Parasite is a good movie. And so you pick... <laughs> An element of it, and then yeah, that I'm sure there, I'm sure there are a lot of things in that movie that I did not absorb. That if I took a second and was like, oh, there's more to this, I think my initial like disparity with with you bringing up the pizza boxes so much is it felt like you were making them, um, and we are continuing to make the pizza boxes. By the way, a much well, more important aspect of the movie than maybe. Well, was and I will just say that the volume of email. <laughs> suggests that the world you're always supported and, by the everyman out yeah. there this is what i'm saying the Just america alone. is with me the the audience is with me the pod the the pizza boxes mean something all right alex it did it did you're right it did alex pick down your red rope and your thumbtacks take all the <laughs> interviews and pictures of pizza boxes off the wall <laughs> And just step back. What from does it, it buddy? all mean? The yeah. boxes. There's like there's like a chart that says Domino's question mark. <laughs> well, I if appreciate. If Papa John I eats think... thirty pizzas in thirty days, how many boxes does it take to fold them? 
we had such a good conversation about this last week, Hunter. I don't know why you're so st- you were stressed out about coming up again. <laughs> I, I I thought we I thought we really got somewhere. Anyway, I, that's a great point, Claire, and I do appreciate it. And I do think the dad as like kind of the fuck up of the family is a really interesting angle that I hadn't thought as much about. But definitely, he's the one who is like it seems like most always on the edge of blowing it. Uh, whereas the kids seem like they could have the jobs that they purport to have if they didn't have the resumes, but they have the skills to do the jobs. They're both right. like pretty good at the mm-hmm. jobs. And dad is the one who's like always on the verge of like screwing it up by not paying attention to the road while he's driving, for example. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, and also thinking about how it turns out for the dad in particular. Yes. Yeah. yes. Mm-hmm. It makes a lot of sense. So thank you for the email. Claire, Claire also says um, that this season, of the podcast has been great and this is as good as the show's been since the great, uh, the great Chris and Tanya leavening. So um, thank you so much for the email, Claire. And I'm so glad to hear that you were enjoying it. People in general, I've told you guys this off the air, Anthony Hunter, but people, really liking season three it's going oh, well that's good today that's good to hear might be the end of it who knows but so far <laughs> they've really been enjoying it um and then one more quick email uh from chelsea who says i was intrigued alex by your enthusiasm for the prestige i remember liking it pretty well when it came out but never went any deeper into it i'm curious what all the things were that you realized after you watched it so if you're ever feeling like teaching an episode of slightly condescending film school Ooh. i bet it would be great um, it wouldn't, Chelsea, but I do, <laughs> I do appreciate the uh, the encouragement. I I would love so I don't, you know we're talking about directors. I think definitely a Nolan uh, dive, a, a Nolan episode would be good. I think we need to figure out how to structure the 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 episode a little bit more so we can get to the get to everything we want to cover in an episode. But right. I would love to talk more about the Nolans, and I would love to talk about the Prestige all day long. I mean, um, we would I really just like get steampunk hot. magic. We would just like start talking about Christopher Nolan and end up talking about how is a uh, how the the third Nolan brother is a wanted hitman living in Chicago right now. Yeah, what? have you never uh, saw this? No. There's Christopher Nolan, this Jonathan Nolan, and then they have an oldest brother who is wanted <laughs> in uh, a, in association with several contract killings in oh Uruguay. Oh Jesus Christ! Uh, <laughs> Yeah, uh, so, I mean, <laughs> it, that kind of recontextualizes some of Nolan's work, if you think about it. Uh, but, um, yeah, they don't is, really talk yeah, about Yeah, I mean, the like, things Nolan that brother. you could do to ruin art, like, I think being, like, being sexist, being a little chauvy off, off screen are both problems, but also being a murderer. Well, I mean, was, um, that's the much older brother. Who knows how close they are, but... Yeah, totally. Yeah. They might not be involved in the murdering, but I'm saying if I found yeah. out that a director I liked was a murderer, I would also hold that against. Well, him. if I he found knew out that was a career choice, though, he's like, no, I'm yeah. going to be a director. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if I found out a director was a murderer, I would be like, I can't wait to see another director make that movie. That sounds awesome. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we're going to stop there. Thank you so much. Uh, all right, let me actually hit the music. That's going to be the end of that. Wait, you're not going to play the music for us? Oh, thank you. (laughs) I just missed the button. That's it for our show, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. We are going to be back again next week with more season three. Um, We have not actually decided on the topic next week, so we're going to do that uh, off the air. And then I'll put your homework on Facebook and Twitter. read underscore weep uh on on twitter um but find us on the platforms and we can tell you about our homework upcoming and also you can join the discussion about pizza boxes by emailing us podcast at read-weep.com i will entertain any and all emails about uh pizza boxes um i would love though if we were to expand beyond the world of parasite and 
Because I don't think this is about yeah. Parasite. I what think it, this is about pizza boxes. What happened to those little? Meat. What happened to those little plastic tables that used right, to come in the pizza tiny boxes? Tables? <laughs> the key of did, the did did the cardboard strength get stronger so we don't need them anymore? What happened? Um, are that what are the what are the other uh, innovations in pizza boxes uh, <laughs> in modern life? Anyway, all of that and more you can email us. You know, um, you're not supposed to recycle them. If they have, I did know that you definitely yeah. stuff. You can't. Yeah, yeah. I had an argument with a manager at a place I worked in food service where he was like, <laughs> "No, you're supposed to put it in the recycling." I'm like, "No, this is like, everyone knows you're not supposed to." Yeah, do this. yeah. You'd think you should, but you can't. But basically, he was my boss, he made me put it in the recycling. And basically, everything that you have that's got food on it, you can't recycle. And yeah. if you spend the energy, if you wash it, like, um, like you're like, "Oh, I gotta get this all the peanut butter off this plastic jar." If you use any water to wash it, you've done more harm than the benefit of recycling it. So, nice. um, it is all, it, it, the world is fucked. Just gonna this throw was, trash out my windows now. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it really, you would, it would almost, frequently would be better for the environment. <laughs> and that sucks. And that was the one thing we had, uh, was recycling and now it's gone. So it's, everything's shitty. Anyway, with that, that is going to have to be saved for another future episode. But yeah, more about pizza boxes. It was a great fact. All right. Um, Thank you so much for joining us uh, at Anthony Lopez Part Two on Twitter. Anthony Lopez PT Two. Hey, uh, great, been a, great, great back, fun. buddy. Continue your um, foot-based recovery. I hope your feet are sexy enough for QT uh, in in a short well, order. I am genuinely looking forward to having a cool story about how I got these scars on my feet. So, <laughs> listeners out there, if you see me talking about a knife fight. Be on my side, all right? <laughs> don't tell. Don't bust Look, in. I, if everyone like, knows I hold the knife with my foot. Yeah. Hey, it was, it was the guy stabbed my toe. You know, you've seen movies. You know how this goes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and thanks for joining us at Hungry Hunty. Yeah. Thanks for being here, bud. Great talking to you. And uh, thank you so much for our special guest at Amandable on Twitter. Thank you uh, so thank much. Thank you for coming back. Thank you for being um, being your your full self today. <laughs> uh, my, actually, my my favorite part was finding out a little bit more about you in high school. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I was <laughs> awkward. Not like the other girls. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's always great to talk to you. We will have you uh, uh, back again soon, and I look forward to it very much. Oh, thank you so much. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll be back next week. We'll be back next week. Goodbye. Yeah.